Welcome to the August edition of Life in the Tax Lane. August. That means summer's half over or the kids are halfway back to school, depending on your perspective. Or oh. you still have half of summer left to exactly. enjoy. Exactly. Where's your half glass full thing? You know, we're positive here-ish. <laughs> wow. Sort of. This is going to be a great episode. Well, speaking of, a, speaking of a group of positive people, uh, just before they went on summer vacation, <sighs> our uh, federal, provincial, and territorial finance ministers got together for a meeting and... Uh, Right after that, they sent out an announcement of all that they had achieved. Uh, it was a very short announcement. Uh, some of the issues that they have discussed, though, was agreements that they're going to work together to maintain relations between Canada and the U.S., which it looks could be uh, potentially challenging as we go forward. We'll have to see how that develops. Uh, Cracking down on tax evasion and closing loopholes. Well, I believe they're required to include that in every official government release now. Uh, including development of a national strategy to enhance availability of beneficial ownership information. Yeah. So mm. this may come down to assets held in trust or beneficiaries of trust, maybe even corporate shares that are held in trust. Yeah, so, who really owns these different assets, yeah. which might be hidden behind a corporate or trust yeah. veil. We're it's certainly uh, been a, a big deal internationally, yeah. so mm -hmm. it's probably not surprising to see it coming in on a domestic picture. And uh, we need a cross-country approach to dealing with the taxation of cannabis, which should be legalized by this time next year, July 2018. And uh, the finance ministers say the two big goals are keeping cannabis out of the hands of underage youth, and keeping the profits from cannabis out of the hands of the criminal element and moving this to legitimate business mm -hmm. transactions, uh, mm. which could be challenging. All right. Just, you know what? Make it illegal to purchase it with cash. There you go. You got it solved. <laughs> then you can Apple have everything tracked. On your iPhone. All right. Let's move on to the next concept yeah, here. Another release from the Minister of Finance. This one, however, related to, rela related to a draft consultation paper looking at three tax practices that finance considers uh, providing an unfair tax advantage for those using private corporations. The three tax uh, strategies that they looked at was income, split, uh, income sprinkling, uh, for example, the payment of dividends to family members of um, uh, an engaged or uh, an a primary shareholder, a primary shareholder uh, when that family member isn't involved in the operations of the corporation. Mm -hmm. That's a big issue. The second prong is uh, the accumulation of passive investment income, benefiting from that large corporate tax deferral. And the third uh, prong that was um, looked at is the ability to tax corporate surplus using capital gains rather than dividends. And we're going to see uh, probably some type of extension to Section 84.1. So big issues here. You know, I just want to say here that there are, there are a lot of very scary, I don't, I don't want to say scary, it's but scary. large things <laughs> that, that will affect many corporations. So we, we have recorded a full video on it that you can click the link to just below this video if you want to see the details there. Want... Joe, we should mention that... Uh, the phase-in for this is all over the map. Mm -hmm. Income sprinkling, looks like they've got the red legislation ready to go. So mm -hmm. unless they get some really persuasive arguments otherwise, we're going to see exactly what they've proposed, and it's going to be effective 2018. We've got one more year. Mm -hmm. Now, the passive investments, they're not quite sure which way to jump on that, and they mm -hmm. really hope to get some uh, good ideas out of the consultation process. No time frame for that yet. But the changes to the capital gains rules are going to be effective 
July 18, 2017. So they already apply if people are doing these transactions. If you have comments, get it into the Department of Finance by October 2nd. Let's take a look at the, the next item here, third-party information requests. You might remember this, but uh, Rona was approached by CRA. They said, give us all the information you've got on the contractors that have registered with you. Well, if you go into Rona and register as a contractor, you could potentially get credit. Uh, they collect a whole bunch of information from all these people purchasing from Rona. CRA thought, hey, let's get all these details here. Maybe we can start reviewing the contractors. Uh, well, uh, Oh, obviously, Rona didn't want to give up this information just like that. What they argued was, when CRA created this request for information, an agent actually came into one of the Ronas, got the document, the application form, to apply for credit. And Rona basically said, you obtained that form under false pretext. You used that form to determine what type of information you were going to ask us for. Therefore, your request for information is invalid. The judge took a look at this and said, well, all of that information on the form, that was pretty much public anyways. And if Siri wanted to ask you what type of information you got from them, uh, you would probably tell them anyways. Therefore, I don't care how they got the form, essentially. Um, you're going to have to provide this information. Big deal. CRA's creative. Looking it's another great example of just how broadly CRA can access information. Mm -hmm. Joe, as I think about it, i got to think that if I was a contractor asking for credit from Rona, I might be inclined to inflate how much I think I'm going to buy so that hopefully they think I'm a really wow, good customer eh? and they give me good rates. Now CRA is going to see my inflated estimates and wonder why my revenues don't live up to that. And we're That's seeing this as a more common, CRA going to these third parties and accessing information. We've seen it with uh, Square Canada. We've seen it with eBay. pharmaceuticals, eBay, all over the place. Okay. Let's keep moving. Okay, distributions of non-taxable amounts to a non-resident. We have a couple technical interpretations where CRA has reminded us that the legislation states when a trust distributes capital to a non-resident, we need to be filing, or the trust needs to be filing an NR4, regardless of wh whether there is Part 13 or withholding taxes uh, on that distribution. This would appear to be in contrast to what a number of practitioners have been doing in the past. Uh, so uh, as uh, an update there. Let's take a look at the next one here, TFSA survivors. Well, that's an interesting one. We've had TFSAs now for a few years, and I think most financial planners, at least, are well aware that I can designate my spouse as the beneficiary of my TFSA, and the money can move over to my spouse's TFSA if I pass away. We don't have to withdraw it and lose that capital. It's generating tax-free investment returns. Uh, what CRA has recently said, though, is even if you didn't properly fill out all that designations and the TFSA becomes property of the estate, you may be able to transition that to the surviving spouse's TFSA anyway, simply by making that part of their more general entitlement to some distribution from the estate. So definitely something to check out before you cash out the TFSA and pull all that money back into the taxable regime. That's right. And another reason why you wanted to fit within this criteria is because when that m those assets go into the surviving spouse's account, it does not eat up their contribution mm -hmm. room. So that's key. Yep. Katie. Some more good news if your spouse passes away. <laughs> Number right. one, managing the affairs uh, upon intestate death. So if your spouse dies or fa any family member for that, uh, matter dies without a uh, last will 
uh, or a testament, uh, CRA has a new form that you can fill out such that they will recognize you as the individual that is administering the tax affairs for that individual. Uh, so hopefully simplifying the process there. Definitely a welcome change. It's been yep. almost impossible historically to get information from CRA and yep. they clearly recognize this as a yep. problem. The so next topic good for them. Next topic here has to do with uh, shareholders and their draws out of a corporation, be it via salaries or wages or whatever. Now this is the concept here. Imagine you've got a December 31 year end for your corporation and that's the same fiscal year as you have for an individual. So imagine a divid or bonus is declared at the end of the year uh, and then it is paid the first couple of days of the next year. Well for corporation purposes you deduct it and you pay less tax in your first year. But as an individual, you only pay tax on it when you receive it. So essentially, you get to defer that income inclusion for a year. Now, if you have, uh, a, and, and, and what this really means here is you really need to reconcile what's come out of one and gone into the other to make sure you include all your income. We had a situation here where uh, the reconciliation was not done very well. And the taxpayer did not at first um, recognize or, or follow up to make sure it was being done well. And later on realized there was a problem, tried to get caught up. And the CRA basically said to them, you were careless and neglectful to start off with because you did not review those reconciliations that your accountant should have done. Therefore, we're going to adjust those statute barred years. So they went into those old years. So we need to be very well, well aware of that. Joe, I think the, uh, this becomes even more complicated for a lot of corporations that don't have a calendar year end. Sure. In your example, they had an mm -hmm. August year end. So That's right. So even if you're reporting whatever was deducted in the corporation in its fiscal year, you got a four-month mm -hmm. period that doesn't align between the two. So those reconciliations are crucial. And I think most accounting firms do try to maintain those, but maybe we need to be getting our clients to review them. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks, and see you next month. Life in the Tax Lane is presented by Video Tax News. The Video Tax News team has been supplying practical tax information to accountants and tax professionals for over 30 years. This Canadian-based company presents live and video seminars to thousands of tax professionals relating to both personal and corporate tax. Learn more at videotax.com. That's B-I-D-E-O-T-A-X.com. The preceding information is for general educational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News Inc. 2017. All rights reserved.